podcasting to all of Azeroth. This is World of Warcast. This is a special mini-sode. I am starving, even though I haven't called myself that on the show for a while. But I'm only doing that because with me is Renata. Say hi. Hey, everyone. Yes, this is me. Come back from the dead, or at least the... Uh, the dustbin of, of history, as far as this uh, this podcast is concerned. <laughs> what it's been? What it's been a while. Three it's years? Three years something or something? Like but we we recorded together for what was it? Four or five? Oh yeah, I mean we, on the on the overall, we uh, we recorded together for longer than we haven't recorded together yeah. in far the elapsed time. But uh, I just want to say hi to everyone. I yes, I am still alive, <laughs> and um, I am still gaming. Although I am actually not playing World of Warcraft anymore. So, the reason why we're doing this is because, and I said to you before we started recording, is that people are constantly asking me how's Ren doing. And when I was at BlizzCon, people were asking me how's Ren doing, and I bumped <laughs> into Bean at BlizzCon, and so I figured, well. Why not see if Ren wants to do a little thing, see and and sort of catch up. But but the, first off, tell everybody why you stopped. Well, as many of you know, I I, I stopped because I I originally stopped doing World of Warcast because I had other things that I was doing. I was I was starting a new line of business where I was doing genealogy research for pay as well as doing my other business and such. And I needed some time to do that. Mm -hmm. And after a while, I just found that I missed doing podcasting. So uh, my husband and I did Citizen Azeroth for a little while. But oddly enough, I found that I was playing the game because I was I felt obligated to play it to do the podcast, mm -hmm. not because I really wanted to be playing the game anymore. I, I really think for me, if I look back on MMOs and my past experience, I have a five-year attention span. <laughs> I played EverQuest for five years. Yeah. And then by like five, I lasted a little longer. I lasted maybe five and a half in World of, of Warcraft mm -hmm. before... I just really couldn't bring myself to get into it anymore. It was, I, I think that part of it is just that, you know, after five years, even with all this new stuff they had, it's been there, done that. And even the new stuff is, seems to be a lot of retreads of things that they've already done. Mm -hmm. Now, some months later, a friend of mine talked me into getting Mists of Pandaria. Okay. And it was on sale. So I picked it up, paid for a month. And I played a Panda Monk. Of course, you got to play the Panda Monk for 10 levels. And realized that it was just, it was all coming back to me why I'd quit in the first place. Okay. I, I was just, it wasn't new and fresh and fun anymore. And that's when I said, okay, I've kind of had it with this. And plus Diablo three came out. Yeah. So you, you're on my battle tag list. I see you logging into, into Diablo three all the time. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been playing Diablo three a lot and which seems kind of funny because I mean, my main objection to world of Warcraft 
is that it's a lot of the same old, same old questing and farming and grinding and questing and farming and grinding. And Diablo is no questing, but it's farming and grinding and farming and grinding and farming and grinding. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a whole new achievement (laughs) system to play with. And unlike in World of Warcraft, there are very few achievements you can't do by yourself. Um, you know, there's a lot of the achievements in World of Warcraft that you need raids for, and I was really not into raiding. And um, so I've been doing that, uh, and I've gotten kind of a new lease on playing Diablo 3 since I started playing hardcore mm-hmm. a few months ago. And for those of you who are not familiar with what's meant by hardcore in Diablo 3, it means permadeath. Mm-hmm. Die once, you're, you're dead. Done. Yeah. Character's over, you lose all your stuff on it. It really does lend a certain interest to and attention to keeping your character alive. I have a level 60 hardcore monk with 10 paragon levels, and I've had some close calls. <laughs> I've also lost a couple of, of level 60 characters, like a, a 60 witch doctor, which is pure stupidity in in hardcore because they're very squishy mm-hmm. and um so i've been that's primarily what i've been playing since then um probably when the auction house goes offline in a few months i'll stop playing hardcore mm-hmm. because it's very difficult to gear for hardcore anyway and with taking the auction house out it's going to be nearly impossible and so we'll just we'll just have to see where it goes from there. And and also I sort of feel like I'm kind of spinning my wheels until EverQuest Next comes out. <laughs> yeah, I've mentioned that on the show a couple times. I I'm going to be in the uh, EverQuest Landmark EverQuest Next Landmark Alpha that I paid for the Founders Kit. Mm-hmm. Hundred bucks. Now what, but... now what all does that give you? Well, it, Alpha access for one thing, and I don't really mind paying for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some in-game things that you're going to be able to have as well, but uh, I was more excited about the fact that I'm going to be able to play an alpha because I, I, for some games where I don't get beta access, I really don't care. But then there are some things like Hearthstone where I didn't get a key for a long time, and I was just really ticked. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured, like, if I'm going to pay the hundred bucks to get into this alpha, then I'll pay it. I don't care. Um, I'll do the same thing for Ever, EverQuest next. So long as I see that the path that it's going is is good. Mm-hmm. And so for those of you that don't know, EverQuest next landmark is different than EverQuest next. EverQuest next is going to be like the big MMO, but landmark is going to, I don't know, how would you describe it? Is it, is this more like a, um, some people can compare it to Minecraft in the sense that Minecraft has two modes. You have your mm-hmm. play mode, you got your creation mode. Mm-hmm. But at least, well, anyway, with Landmark, what you're going to be able to do is you, you have a plot of land and you can just build whatever you want. Right. And- yeah, I it, I think Minecraft is the closest paradigm you can come up with for now. But mm-hmm. it's it's going to, hopefully it's going to be something quite a bit more and different yeah. from that. A lot more, yeah. I mean, I don't see myself even, you know, even though I am definitely going to play EverQuest next unless they something comes out. I mean, they've been pretty vague about what exactly they're going to be doing 
as far as you know they 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 they've come out with with some some pretty vague stuff but i i'm at least going to give it a try for old times sake i don't <laughs> you really have to. see myself getting into an mmo quite to the level that i used to just because i've got so much else going on in my life yeah so talk a little bit about that you, not only do you have your own business but you've also been doing something on your bucket list that we were talking about beforehand what is that yes well Years and years and years ago, I wanted to be a falconer. Mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated with birds of prey. But the problem with being a falconer, which is, which is keeping falcons and hunting with them, um, is that you have to have a lot of land. And you have to have room to build the proper muse for the for the falcons and such. And I've just never been in a position. I mean, lived, I lived in apartments until five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a house now, but we, we're on like a third of an acre of land. I, I, and we're right in the middle of a development. I really don't think that my neighbors would appreciate me building these giant falcon muse. Yeah. Plus, where am I going to fly them? So um, I do have the good fortune of being in... One of the big spring hawk migration paths in the United States, mm-hmm. and there is a a foundation um, called Braddock Bay Raptor Research, which is in Rochester, New York. I've been I've always been pretty open about where I live. I live in Rochester, mm-hmm. and um, we have since I, I got involved with them last year. We have the only publicly accessible hawk blind in the United States. Okay. Anyone can come visit us and see what we're doing. But I am in training to become a state and federally licensed hawk bander. What a hawk bander does is we live trap hawks. Um, we don't do eagles. They're just way too big for me to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we... Uh, weigh and measure them. We get some information about whether we can tell their gender um, or their, you know, we, we know what species they are, but what gender they are, how old they are by their plumage, etc. We take measurements, we weigh them, and then we give them a, uh, a leg band, mm-hmm. which has uh, what we call the license plate number on it, which is a, it's a unique federal number. So if that hawk is ever recaptured at some point down the road, we can tell a little bit about where it's been and something about its migration um, issues. Now, there's a lot of reasons we do this, but the main reason is being that if you want to know the health of an environment, you look at the top-level predators. Mm -hmm. You don't look at the mice. You look at who's (laughs) eating the mice. And um, we found a lot of interesting things, um, like, for example, the, the longest recapture that we've gotten is we... We get the foreign recaps, which are the foreign recaptures. Birds that have been banded somewhere else that we capture in our station. That's mm-hmm. when we get excited. But we got a um, sharp-shinned hawk that had been banded in Veracruz, which is down near, um, down in the very southern part of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we recaptured it in Rochester. Is that normal? Um. For sharpshins, that is. They have very long migrations. Okay. They can. Uh, we've also had uh, red tails that we just we just found out of red tail that had been found dead, which had been banded 26 years ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> in Rochester. Um, it was found in New Jersey. Uh, I didn't do it. 
<laughs> well, I mean, 26 years old, and I think that we 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 banded it as a juvenile. They banded it as a juvenile. So yeah. that's that's pretty good for a wild red tail to live that long. I mean, 70 percent of them don't last their first year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that's being able to work with uh, with raptors is one of those things I've always wanted to do. And this gives me a chance to do it again. And so we're, you know, in a couple of months, we'll be thinking about starting up for the spring banding season. So if you're anywhere in the Rochester, New York area during the season, look up Braddock Bay Raptor Research. Come visit us. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, that's, it's good times. It's, it's amazing to watch these birds coming down into the station. So, how, I mean, you capture them what just... Oh, I shouldn't say capture. Capture is not the right word, is it? You just oh no, actually we we do we we trap them. You trap them, okay. And uh, what? Well, how we trap them is we use uh, live birds, mm-hmm. um, pigeons and starlings, which we call lure birds, not lunch. <laughs> and um, we they're they're wearing these little little armored jackets actually because most hawks when they strike they strike for the back so we Mm -hmm. we try to protect them try to make it so no birds are injured in the making of this motion picture but occasionally the lure birds don't always make it sometimes they get hit too hard but we use those two because as anybody who's been in a city knows especially pigeons uh pigeons and starlings are invasive species they're all over the place they're not protected by any laws mm-hmm. and they actually do quite a bit of environmental damage because yeah. they're really not supposed to be here yeah uh, they were introduced from england uh, because someone thought they looked nice and now we have clouds of starlings and <laughs> pigeons everywhere in new york city yes they're all over the place in new york we do t- we do try to take care- good care of them while they're while they're working for us and we do let them go at the end of the season mm-hmm. But uh, basically what we do is we have them in front of these traps that are called bow traps. And they're they're a big netted trap. They're sort of like a you took a hula hoop and put a hinge in the middle and bent it over so it's it's uh, the two circles are in half. Mm-hmm. Um, and you put the pigeon in the middle of it. Then the hawk comes down for the pigeon. You spring the trap and the one half of the circle goes over and it throws the net over the over the hawk. Okay. And then the tricky part is going out to get the hawk and not getting speared by the talents. Oh. <laughs> has that happened to you yet? Uh, yes, it has. I, I have been, we call that being footed. Mm-hmm. And I got me, I, it was a red tail, which is, those are the biggest ones. They're the worst ones to get footed by. And he got me right underneath underneath the nail. Ooh, one ow. of my thumbs. Ooh. Yeah, it was not fun. Um, but it will teach you to be careful because we do not wear gloves under any circumstances. Why is that? Because we, you know, think about when you're wearing gloves like in the winter mm-hmm. or you're doing gardening or whatever. You can't really feel what you're doing. Okay. And we say, you know, birds first, banders second. If we get hurt, it's because we've screwed up. Hmm. We've done something dumb. Um, I, I thought that falconers needed that's those. That's not okay. What? I thought you guys needed those. I thought that falconers needed those. Falconers need them for another reason, because falconers have the birds perch oh, on their hand. I see. We don't have them perch. We actually grab them by the we, we 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 handle them by grabbing them by the legs. You want to control the business end of the bird, which mm-hmm. is their their talons. That's where they do. I mean, they eat with their with their beaks. 
but they, they tear things apart with their talons. And so what we do is we, we grab them from behind. We try to get our, our hand behind the legs and grab the legs. Well, with the bigger hawks, you want to make sure you get a finger between the legs because otherwise you can dislocate their hips. Oh, ooh. Because you're, you're, you're pulling them too close together. With the small birds, like the sharp shins, which are about the size of a robin, you use too much pressure, you can actually break their legs. Oh. So you want to make sure you're using just enough pressure to control the bird, but not to injure it. And mm-hmm. that's why you can't wear gloves. Okay. A lot of people are very surprised by this because, you know, they, they think of falconers, you know, but we don't have the birds perch on us. These are wild animals. They're not trained. They're going to fight. So, so you mentioned before about the things that you learn from, from these birds. Like, mm-hmm. like, like what, what have you learned being that they're at the top of the food chain? Well, there's um, some of the things that we have learned is uh, learning things like what what species are in decline and which ones are coming back. Mm-hmm. Like we're starting to see problems with kestrels, which are small, um, which which are small falcons, and part of that is the growth. That's part of its change in habitat. Part of its growth of um, starling populations in some areas. Uh, starlings will compete with kestrels for the same nesting space, and they'll actually beat up the kestrels and throw them out of the nests. Hmm. Um, we have, in the past, we have learned data such as people think that hawks mate for life, and they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, they, and they find this out by studying the migration data and the nesting behaviors, where they find out things like, Hawks go back to the same nest every year. If the same hawks go back to the same nest, oh. they tend to mate with one another. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, if Bob the hawk and, and Judy the hawk don't come back to the same, you know, if they go, go back to the same nest, they'll, they'll, um, they'll keep uh, breeding with one another. But say, you know, Bob gets killed, Judy comes back to the nest, she'll just find another, another male hawk to come over. It's the nest that counts, not not necessarily who's in it. Oh, interesting. Um, They also um, have found, you know, changes in migration behavior, such as um, with the, with Mississippi kite, that's been coming North more and more. And that uh, bespeaks partially of habitat changes in the area. So, I mean, there's a lot of data that they can get just from, just from studying this data. And plus, we also sometimes participate in other research projects while we're at it. Uh, for example, collecting feathers from sharp shin hawks to check for mercury levels. Oh. And mercury poisoning and, and how they're being affected by, you know, uh, changes in uh, contamination in some areas. Where would you get, where do they get the mercury from? From the animals they eat? Yes. Hmm. They, they, they primarily eat other songbirds. Okay. And so they, you know, they, in fact, that's one of the reasons that they found out about the problem with DDT and eagles um, was uh, when they first realized that DDT was causing a problem back in the 1960s, it was because um, eagles were laying eggs with very, very thin shells and the shells were breaking before the eagles could be born. Mm-hmm. And they realized that there was some sort of a problem. Well, the eagles aren't ingesting the DDT directly, but the little songbirds 
are ingesting it. They don't get enough to kill them. But then you get a slightly bigger hawk that comes and eats the songbirds. Now they're getting big hit, fairly big hits of DDT because all the songbirds that they're eating have DDT. Mm-hmm. Now the eagle goes and gets the slightly the smaller hawk, and they're getting a big dose of DDT. So you know, it's 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 the food chain yeah. thing. So this is far more interesting than raiding Orgrimmar to you. Right now, yeah. Yeah. That's it's far more interesting than some other stuff. I really haven't been practicing my violin much this year. So that was another <laughs> another thing that you started doing. Uh tell us about that. How's that going? That's going good. I I've, I've been doing that for I I was playing the violin when I was when I was uh doing World of Warcast. I just wasn't very good at it. Um <laughs> I I started doing that almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And but now I've been playing for a traditional dance group, and that helps because I've got someone else that I'm obligated to that I need to practice yeah. for. And the other thing that I've done, which I don't think I mentioned to you when we were talking earlier, is uh, two years ago I lost fifty pounds. Yes, I, I didn't. I didn't know if I should bring that up or not. But yes, I've seen your pictures. Yes, and I'm now a moderator on a major weight loss board nice so i've i've taken my love of teaching stuff from world of warcraft (laughs) to helping people lose weight so it's uh it's been quite quite busy and your pictures look amazing i must say oh well thank you i um i frankly didn't even know i was that overweight i am i'm one of those people who tends to distribute weight all over rather than in one place Mm -hmm. you know i don't put it all on my butt for example (laughs) so i can get heavy without really even noticing yeah it's the same with me so like recently i'm like i must go back to the gym Mm -hmm. so i'm going back to the gym yeah that's uh that's one of those things that it's it's not conducive to uh Getting in shape, sitting in front of the computer, rating. No, no, it's not, and that's that's one of the. Well, on top of that, I work from home now. Oh, you do? Yeah, I do. I've been working from home for about two years now. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a there are a bunch of gyms. I mean, there are gyms everywhere, mm-hmm. but uh, I I just needed to get off my butt. You know what? It's part of it. Maybe you can agree or disagree with this. I don't know. But what I found personally is that, uh, as far as losing weight goes, is that if you don't have a routine, if you don't get into the routine of it, then you lose it. Exactly. And you know, my problem is also, I hate exercise. Absolutely. <laughs> freaking hate it. Um, I am one of the most naturally lazy people that exists. And actually that's one of the, one of the reasons why, um, the, um, the Hawk, banding stuff has been good for me because I have to walk a lot for Mm -hmm. that. And so it's a way of building in activity. I I can't really, I going to the gym and just working out to me is torture. I always liked going to the gym. I I really did. Uh, Maybe it was because I felt I needed it at the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was, I was heavier than I am now by quite a bit. And now I'm starting to, from sitting around, I noticed that, like, yeah, I think it's time to go back. So, I, I it's, I, I don't know what it was about going to the gym. I think it was, it was more about, for one thing, it was doing something different, getting uh-huh. yourself motivated to to do something physical as opposed to just sitting there typing all day long and moving a mouse. Uh-huh. Um, 
and I guess maybe people can say that there's some sort of uh, there's an energy boost from it too. There is, and you know, and frankly, it's hell getting old. Yeah. Um, the older I get, you know, the the, the more stiff that you get when you when you're not moving around a lot, and then the harder it is to get motivated to move around again yeah. once you stop doing it for a while. So it's it's kind of it's a bad cycle to get into. It is. So. I I went to the gym for almost fifteen years every day, mm-hmm. and then and then stopped. So not gonna start getting back into that so I can go back to the gym for the next fifteen years and. Yeah, and I expect do that. the next three weeks to suck. I, well, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, first I gotta get my car fixed, but <laughs> I can oh, actually what's get, wrong with your car? Just a battery. It's all, uh, nothing serious, but no, I just gotta get a new battery. I haven't been able to go to the gym because of the battery, but, um, yeah, it's, it's strange. It's like there are times I, I wonder, well, what would things be like if I didn't play the game? Uh-huh. No, what, what would I do? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, what I wanted to talk to you about, one of the things I want to talk to you about is, is when you quit. And you stopped playing this game. When, well, not even Warcraft specifically, but you're playing EQ1, EQ2, and other stuff. By the way, I just saw a tweet roll by that said that Warhammer Online is dead as of now. That like really? right this instant, it just died. As we're recording, they, <laughs> they they totally just cut off the servers. Warhammer Online, yeah, I saw that it was coming. They announced that it was going to die, but yeah, they they as of right now, it's dead. I, I can't say I'm surprised. It was. I played that for a little while, mm-hmm. but it never really seemed to have much no, focus. It had, had it had issues, but, but anyway, what, what I'm saying is like when when you stopped, mm-hmm. did did it feel like you had nothing to do? Like, like I guess not nothing to do, but were you so busy with other things that you didn't even notice, or did you just start getting that twitch? Or like, nah, I guess I should farm something or kill something or do an instance or something. Yeah, there was a little bit, there was an adjustment period. Mm-hmm. Um, what I liken it to is when, when my husband and I were house hunting, we went through a period of time where we went to, to open houses every weekend for like almost a year. Mm-hmm. And then after we bought our house, I didn't know what to do with my weekends. I went through a period of time where I just didn't know what to do with my evenings. Yeah, I, that, that's what I worry about. Is I, if I, I mean, I'm not going to stop, but like if I ever did, it's like, what would I do? What do yeah, people do? Yeah, even <laughs> though you don't want to play, yeah, you know, I, I really just got to the point where I didn't. I would get online and just sit there and go, "What do I feel like doing? Nothing." Hmm. Even though I don't want to do that, figuring out what I do want to do instead, I was kind of at a loss. You know, as I, as you said, you know, I've been playing MMOs since 1999. Mm-hmm. And so it was, the evenings were kind of, you know, a, a little bit of a, well, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, I got over that reasonably quickly. Um, generally when I play, I mean, I don't play Diablo much in the evenings. Sometimes my husband and I will play together a little bit before dinner or we'll play a little bit on the weekends, Mm -hmm. but it's nothing compared. I mean, it's nothing compared to like the rating or all that. I will say this. 
I really, really miss the social elements. Yeah, I was going to say, because you played with Christy and Mike and all them. And And what I will say about that is some of the people I still stay in contact with, and Mm -hmm. some of them have just segued into being very good real-life friends. Okay. But... Just the, you know, going out and hanging out. It was kind of like, you know, the cheers, the the bar where everybody knows your name. You go on, everybody says hi. And you kind of feel cut off from that for for a while. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very weird feeling. And with some people, you're going to be able to make the transition into real friendship. And with other people, once you don't have anything to talk about with the game, you don't really have anything left to talk about. Yeah. And that's just, that's I don't think that's any different from any other hobby. I think that people who golf or, you know, people who play tennis or play chess or whatever, anytime that you're going to, you're going to break with a group of people who all do the same thing together, you're going to find that. Yeah. Yeah. So that part, I would have to say I still miss. Um, I get a little bit of that with people chatting sometimes with me in Battle.net, but it's, it's just not the same. Yeah. Because none of them really play Diablo. Yeah, it's 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 much different. See, I with me, I can understand that because one of the things that I missed when I I was when I transferred to Emerald Dream a few months ago and I just joined some random guild. Um, nobody spoke to each other. They just used the guild for the level twenty five, and then that was it. That was the main reason why I started my own is because I wanted people to communicate and help and be friends and and all that. Mm -hmm. And and that's been going really well so far, but who knows how long that's going to last five years, 10 years until you like that. Guild level 25. No, no, no. It's like, (laughs) well, like, like, I don't know how long, how long would, would world of Warcraft last? What what if well, something amazing and new came out in a year and then everybody sort of flocked? I don't think that's going to happen. But um, my point being is that when you when you get used to playing with a group of people and then you lose it, it it's got to be difficult. And, and I think of that like in real life is that I, I mean obviously I have friends, but I'm but a lot of them are just associated with like one thing, like football mm-hmm. or something like that. So. If I decided to, let's say, join a band, hypothetically, mm-hmm. like play guitar, join a band or something like that, I wouldn't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. And and so, because I've been so tied up with MMOs for years. So it, it would almost be like joining a foreign country. It's like, what do I do? It's like, I don't know. How do you meet people? Or moving to a new town. Well, I mean, I've I've managed to do some of, some of that sort of thing. I mean, I, I have... But it, it, it is true that, you know, friends do become somewhat compartmentalized. I have the dance team that I play for, mm-hmm. and mostly I just see them at dance practices and at events. And then I've got my hawk banding friends, and mostly I see them in the hawk blinds, and occasionally we go out to lunch, and we talk about hawks. Um, I, I don't think that compartmentalization is necessarily bad or necessarily unusual. Mm-hmm. But it is different when you're talking about people that you don't see. I mean, there's there's still a lot of people that I have been friends with for years and have no idea what they look like. Mm-hmm. It is a little different. Yeah, very much so. But um, it's, you know, it, it is a transition. And I will also say that 
I quit playing a long time before I actually canceled my account. Mm -hmm. And canceling my account sort of felt final, even though, I mean, I could have turned right around and brought it back. Yeah. Brought it back. But it, it, it really just, it did seem like, you know, driving the nail into the coffin. I'm sure Blizzard was happy to take my money for as long as I wanted <laughs> to give it to them. But, um, and as far as, you know, how long will World of Warcraft last? It'll last as long as Blizzard continues to make money. I mean, people make a big deal about how their subscriber base has gone down to, what, only 7 million seven, now? Yeah, only 7 million. <laughs> yeah, and how much? How many subscribers did did like EverQuest one have at its peak? Half a 200,000? million. Two hundred thousand. Oh, was it even that low? I thought it was maybe like half a million. Maybe it was lower. Well, EverQuest. I, I don't remember, but I mean, they're still they're, they're still pushing out expansions. They are. EverQuest one came out at a time when not a lot of people were playing online. Not a lot of people were online, and then those that were, not all of them had fast computers or or fast connections. Some I was playing oh, on dial up when I started. So were a lot so, of other people. I, I can remember a couple people that we played with who are still on dial-up. Yeah. And occasionally you'd see everything kind of just freeze up on them. Yeah. So I mean, it, it was It was a fun until time. they got killed. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a much different time. But, mm-hmm. um, and nobody had TeamSpeak or Ventrilo oh no. or anything like that. Trying to do 72-man raids with chat. Macros. <laughs> Macros. I did oh, it. that was I, terrible. I did it too. I, I used to lead raids on the um on the trash uh dragon in the plane of innovation. Yep. With with seventy two people and I just had a series of macros that I and you could only keep so many macros, so I, yeah. I generally had to rewrite them every time. But I just had my little script of macros and I'd be typing away for about an hour making my macros to go <laughs> kill the kill the trash dragon. There were two raids I remember doing in EverQuest. One one was Lady Vox, which was a disaster. Oh. And then the oh. other one, I don't remember. It was somewhere on Luckland. I don't remember exactly where. It looked like a big pyramid, and we wound up. The, the problem was that we we the vampires. Yeah, the vampires. And then we wound up doing that. And the problem with EverQuest One was that nothing was instanced. So oh, we were yeah. doing our thing, and then all of a sudden, another seventy-two man raid shows up, and they're like, "No, we're taking this over." Chardock. Chardock. Yes. Happens all the time in Chardock. Because there were three or four different mo- 